0: We had a great Easter service, a great resurrection service, excellent uh, message by our pastor, Pastor Richard, uh, and I really believe um, that the foundation was laid for this month uh, in the sermon series entitled, The Grave Defeated. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, uh, you can find it on the YouTube, and I recommend that uh, you go back and listen, because again, like I said, that foundation was laid to, that dare you to believe. And tonight, what I want to talk about uh, is faith revived. I mean, you know that sometimes um, as a believer, as a child of God, you might experience uh, some testings or some trials, right? Uh, you know, we, we understand uh, that it was at the cross of Calvary where Jesus uh, hung that... Uh, what he was doing is he was purchasing the victory for us, right? It was at the cross uh, that the Bible says uh, he, defeated, uh, he defeated sin, he defeated the devil, he defeated uh, sickness, uh, and he defeated the grave. And that's exciting that we don't have to fear as believers, as children of God, we don't have to fear death, We don't have to fear the grave because it uh, doesn't have a power over us because Jesus defeated that. He defeated that death. He defeated whatever fear that the enemy would try to place in our lives. And that should stir and excite us tonight, uh, that we aren't involved in some kind of um, religious thing, but we're involved in a genuine, real relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen? If you've been saved, though, for any amount of time, you know that the battle is real, right? You know that the struggle can uh, be intense sometimes. You know that the spiritual warfare is, uh, is a real thing, and there's a real enemy that we fight. There's a real enemy that uh, the Bible says comes to wage war on our sins. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy from us in our lives, our relationships, our marriages, uh, our children, our health. His plan is to constantly bring uh, 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 destruction in our lives, but Jesus, the Bible says, has come to give us life, and that life in abundance. And there's times uh, that you are going to experience a testing of your faith. There's times where you're going to experience uh, almost a rattling, right? Like the kids say, I'm shook, There's that shaking that goes on sometimes, and it's in those seasons of testing, and it's in those seasons of trial that we need to hold fast to Christ, His Word, and the grace of God in our lives. We celebrated the resurrection of the Lord, and it's a time of triumph for us. It's a time of victory. There was... I was sitting in the balcony, but there was an excitement in the sanctuary that this past Sunday. You can just sense it. I could sense it that uh, people came, and they came hungry, man. They wanted hope. They wanted their faith to be uh, reassured and restored and encouraged, and it was, uh, man, I just can't put my finger on it, but, man, it was good. It was good to be in the house of God on that day, any day, but you could just sense, man, that the, The people came in hungry. But on that day, on that actual day when Jesus was arrested, when he was taken before the authorities, when he was beaten and ultimately crucified for the disciples, it shook their faith. It rocked them. They had invested uh, these past three years of their lives uh, following Jesus, They were involved in his ministry. They had seen miracles. Uh, They had heard his uh, message of hope. They had heard him say that the kingdom of God was at hand. And all of a sudden now, here's their Lord hanging on a cross, dying. And that's not how they envisioned the kingdom of God being established. That's not how they envisioned the kingdom of God being launched. Uh, To them, their faith was in a crisis because they saw their king dying on a cross. We got to ask ourselves what happens when we find ourselves in a place where our faith is shaken or our faith is challenged or attacked, when we might hear a bad report or there's a loss or something takes place, a struggle or a test in our lives. The book of Matthew, chapter 7. Verse 24, Jesus says here, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Can we pray? Father, we just thank you, Lord. Right now, we ask, oh, God, that you would just take your time, Father God, in this place, God. That you would minister, that you would strengthen, Lord, that you would build, Father. Lord, we come seeking you, Father God, Lord. We come seeking your heart and your mind, God. And Lord, we need to hear from you tonight, Father God. And we ask and pray, Lord, that your word would just move, my God, upon our hearts and our minds, God. Bring in comfort, bring in encouragement, bring in a stirring, Father God. Lord, we thank you that the enemy is defeated, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, Father, that you are victorious. In Jesus' name, bless the house of God tonight. We all say amen. Our sermon series text is found in 2 Timothy 1.10. Apologize to the media team, I skipped it earlier. But it says, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life. That's such an encouragement. He has destroyed death and brought life. And, and that, what Jesus was saying when he was saying, if you hear these words of mine and you build your home on that uh, rock, on, on what I'm saying, you're going to be able to withstand the storms that inevitably will come because you're building on a rock, on a foundation, on a solid foundation. And if you know anything about construction or you know anything about home building, you know that it all starts with the foundation. It all starts with um, that solid core that you're building upon. We had an earthquake Monday, right? Anybody feel that earthquake? Some of us did, some of us didn't. In LA, if it's not more than four point, you just sleep right through it, right? They say that if there's ever going to be a big one, this is the place to be. i tell you why, man, because of the foundation that they laid for this building. And even though that storm's going to rock back and forth or that tremor's going to move you, you, you know that you're going to be okay because you're built upon that solid rock. Jesus he was trying to warn his disciples. He was trying to tell them, look it, you're going to experience struggle. You're going to experience some hardships on account of their relationship with him. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Peter, he's writing to a church that at this point in time they are scattered and they're suffering uh, trials or they're, they're being persecuted and, and he understands what it means to have their faith his faith rocked he understands what it means to go through trial he understands what it means to be attacked by the enemy so he was encouraging this church in the book of Luke chapter 22 31 to 34 Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brethren. Here, Jesus was saying, look at. the enemy wants to sift you, wants to rock you, wants to shake you. And I'm praying, and that's an awesome word to hear, that that Jesus would be praying for us when we're going through struggle, right? And he says, and when, when, when you turn back, take that experience and strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brothers and sisters. And I like Peter, man, because Peter reminds me sometimes of me. It just went right over his head. He responds and he says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and to death with. Right? Instead of heeding what the word was saying, he was uh, confident in himself and confident in his flesh and confident in his abilities. And he's saying, I'm ready to go to prison and to death with you, right? He's that, that guy that says, "To the wheels fall off. And then the wheels fall off and he's nowhere to be found, right? I believe that he meant it. I believe that when he said it, he meant it. But how many know that... Um, life sometimes uh, will show us what we're made of. You know what I mean? That uh, it'll reveal things in us, uh, whether we're seeking God and, and our faith is genuine or, or where there's areas that we have room for improvement. And the Bible says that he continued, once they arrested Jesus, he did continue to follow him, but the Bible says that they, he followed at a distance. As they were leading Jesus away, he, he continued to follow him, but he was keeping a, a, a few paces behind him. And you know that that's what happens when you begin to go through trials and you, be going, you begin to go through struggle is, is you're still following Jesus, but now you're pulling back. Now, the things of God isn't so much a priority because you begin to draw back and Your prayer life begins to suffer. Your devotion time, your reading begins to take a blow. And and even though you're still following Jesus, uh, you're making sure that you have a good distance. And that is a dangerous place to be at. See, Peter was reacting in the physical to what was taking place in the spiritual. Jesus was trying to warn his disciples. He was trying to prepare them. He was trying to say, look at uh, my hour is at hand, right? Jesus understood where he was, and he was going to be facing the cross, and he was trying to prepare his disciples, and he takes them with them into the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that story in the, found in the book of Matthew 26. He brings some of his disciples with him as he begins to pray, and he tells them to stay here and watch with me, Right? Jesus goes, and we know the story that uh, he's seeking God. He's wrestling within himself. He understands the cost that he's going about to pay, and, and he's trying to reconcile his will with God's will, and he's saying, if there's any other way, if this cup can't pass for me, God, and then he comes to that place where he says, but if it's not my will, but your will be done, God. And he comes, and he finds his disciples in verse 40, sleeping, And he said to Peter, he sees his disciples sleeping, but he specifically sees Peter and he says, Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you would think that at this point, the disciples would say, hey, you know, this is serious. Maybe we should get up and pray. Maybe we should begin to seek God. We haven't seen Jesus this uh uh, preoccupied, and, and there's something going on, definitely, maybe we should get up and begin to seek God, and what does the Bible say is that they went right back to sleep, right? There was that strategy of the enemy taking place where rather than seeking God, they, they knocked out, man, and I can relate to that. Sometimes you get up early in the morning to seek God, and next thing you know, it's hours gone by, and you haven't been praying. You fell asleep yourself, right? Or am I the only one? One honest guy back there. Thank you. (laughs) And he came, and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Jump down to verse 45. It says, are you still sleeping and resting Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. At this point now, there they come to arrest Jesus, and there they come to to take him away, and the disciples, some some fled, some left. Peter draws his sword, and he chops the ear off of one of those trying to arrest him, arrest Jesus. And I about that and i says I, was was peter aiming for the ear i don't think so i think he was a bad shot i think he was trying to get the head and he got the ear but there we see peter again he's reacting in the physical to what's taking place in the spiritual and again we can act like we can react like that sometimes we could say god give me long suffering and then god puts that person in your path that tests your patience and it's how we react, and it's how we respond. And we could say, God, work a miracle. Do something in my marriage. God, strengthen us. And God says, uh, that issue that the two of you have been neglecting, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it now. And it's how you respond and how you, re- you react. Are you chopping off ears, cutting each other up, or are you allowing the Spirit of God to help you guys work through that uh, hindrance, that issue that keeps rearing its ugly head. See, God loves us and he's trying to build us. He's trying to build our faith. There's times where if you're not careful and you don't guard your heart, man, you could be in that place where you could be like Peter and you can begin to pull back. People pull back for all sorts of reasons. They can pull back because they're not truly grounded. We hear the parable of uh, the good soil the seed that falls on that rocky soil that has no root and the cares and the worries of the world killed that seed and heart may make, make, grow cold. And the Bible says that we need to guard our heart because out of it spring the issues of life. Sometimes the road gets rough, right? Jesus said that straight and narrow is the path. And if you've ever been on a any kind of trail and that road begins to just wind and narrow down you, you know you have to be sure of your footing and sure of where you might be going sometimes you might feel like god is silent where are you god i'm praying and i hear my prayers just bouncing off the walls and god are you are you even there why are you silent god why have you pulled back and can i tell you that silent does not mean absent That just because God might be silent, uh, it doesn't mean that he's absent or or unaware of what's going on or taking place in your life. It just means that uh, he's bringing you through something. It's that still, small voice that we need to learn how to listen to. And oftentimes, there's so many distractions, and we're hearing so many things, and God is trying to teach us how to be still and wait on him. Can we still serve him? Can we still seek him? And even though we might not feel his presence or even though we might not hear him, can we still by, walk by faith and not by sight? Can we still press through and say, God, I, even though I don't know what's going on and even though I can't hear your voice, I trust in you and I trust in your word and I trust in your promises uh, that you'll carry me through this. We have to remember whose battle it is. In the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 15, we're told whose battle it is. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That is encouraging words right there, man. That that issue that you're battling with, the, uh, God has taken ownership of that battle, that struggle, that assault, that sickness, uh, whatever it is that might be coming against you uh, as a child of God. God says, it's not your battle, it's my battle. But just heed what I'm saying, and I'll get you through this. Uh, And that's awesome news right there, man. That's like, um, you ever been outnumbered? Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then you turn around and you realize, oh, man, I got my backup with me. What a comforting feeling to know that we're not abandoned, that the Bible says we're not been left nor forsaken, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that means he's with us. And that we take comfort and confidence in knowing uh, that whatever we're going through, right, the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because he's with us, man. That's encouraging tonight. It's when we take matters into our own hands, though, that we can make go from out of, say, out of the frying pan and into the fire, right? Sometimes God wants to deal with our control issues. You know what control issues are? I tell you, it's the need to maintain power over nearly every aspect of your life. Sometimes we're having a tug of war with God. Our faith is struggling, not because God isn't faithful, but because we haven't let go of that control. God is always in control. I'll say that one more time. God is always in control. When Jesus stood before Pilate, when he was standing before the authorities, uh, he was always in control. He knew when to speak and when not to speak. And when Pilate says, Don't you know I have the power to release you or to crucify you? I love what Jesus tells him. You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So even in the face of death, uh, Jesus said, I am still in control. You don't have power over me, Pilate, uh, but this is my destiny. This is my call. This is what I have to go through, and I'm going to go through it, and I'm not going to allow you or anyone to hinder me from, my, from the plan of God in my life. And that is encouraging. That is comforting to know is that no matter what you're going through, God is in control. If the road is rough, God is in control. He's at the helm. He's driving it. If the, you remember when the disciples were in that boat and the storm came in and they were all beginning to freak out, all these fishermen were freaking out because the storm was getting rough and they look over and there's Jesus sleeping. He was still in control. Just because they were going through storm doesn't mean that Jesus had abandoned them or forsaken them. And he got up and he said, calm, peace, be still. That's awesome news right there. What is God trying to do to us when we're in these trials and when we're in these storms? I believe he's trying to get us to a place of surrender. And surrender is not powerlessness. Surrender is, it's knowing and accepting the lane in which God wants you to run in and then being faithful there. You don't have, maybe you don't have the powers to control what's taking place. Maybe you've been given a bad report uh, by the doctor, or maybe you've been laid off, or maybe something is going and you're saying, "I, I don't have any control power to change this. Okay. But you know the one who's able to move in in your behalf. And you know the one that's able to work out all things to the good for those that love him. According, right? David Wilkerson, I like what he said. He said, faith demands that I turn over all my problems, all my critical situations, all my fears, all my anxieties into the hand of the Lord. And when I have done all I can do and I know my battle is beyond my power, I submit it all into his hands. We need to stop carrying burdens that we have no business carrying. We need to stop carrying loads that belong to the Lord. And, and sometimes we feel like, I, I have to do this. And God is saying, When Jesus hung on that cross and he stretched out his arms, what did he say? He said, it is finished. He completed it all. You have a child that's out there in the world. You know who wants that child back into the house of God, back into the things of God more than you? The Lord. And sometimes we feel powerless and we say, man, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. You have One of the greatest weapons at your disposal. And that's the power of prayer. The power of prayer and saying, I might not have control over what my child is doing, but I have God's ear. And I can tell God and ask God to move on my child's behalf. And whatever he's going to do in your son or daughter's life, he's going to do it with grace and with love because of your prayers and because of your faithfulness. Zechariah. Chapter 4, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Someone said, no one escapes pain, fear, and suffering. Yet from pain can come wisdom, from fear can come courage, and from suffering can come strength. Like what Pastor Dan said a few months ago, that that thing that you're going through, it's not meant to destroy you, but to build you up. We have to remember that it's Jesus who is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith, the Bible says. And you know how he's going to perfect our faith oftentimes through fire, through trial, through that testing, through that refining process. And can I tell you that we need to experience that sometimes? We need to experience that, that, that refiner's fire. Not because God is just, gets some kick out of watching us struggle. but Because God is building and he is strengthening his people. He's saying, you know what? I got to get you to a place where your faith and your trust is real. It's concrete. It's built to last. In the book of... Um, Ephesians in chapter 6, when they talk about the armor of God, the shield is the shield of faith, right? It's the shield of faith. What does a shield do? A shield protects you in battle. A shield protects you when the blows of the axe or the blows of a hammer or of a sword or of an arrow are coming at you. It's that shield that covers you and protects you. Nobody wants to go into battle with the shield that's going to splinter after the first blow. Nobody wants a shield that uh, after an arrow is launched, it's going to pierce right through it. Uh, every, you want to be behind a shield that's going to be able to withstand the blows and withstand the, 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 the stress of battle. And that's what God is doing in our faith. As we go through trial, as we go through hardship, as we go through struggle, as we feel like our faith is beginning to die down, God's saying, no, I'm strengthening your faith. I'm building your faith. I'm getting you through this uh, because uh, there's a battle that you're in, and your faith in him, your faith in his word is going to carry you through that uh, trial. Thank God for the armor of God. Thank God for the shield of faith. Jesus said, it's just the faith of a mustard seed, the faith of a mustard seed, and you can tell that mountain in your path to be removed. We do, though, when we find ourselves struggling, need to be honest with God. Mark chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, there's a man, and he's, comes brings his son before jesus because his son was possessed uh, and he wanted jesus to bring healing and deliverance into the life of his son and again how many of you know man that uh, and god for kids that'll keep us on our knees right that'll keep us praying that'll keep us contending and again if this is you tonight i don't know who i'm speaking to but god loves your son and he loves your daughter, and don't give up on him. And Jesus says this to him. He says, "If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes." And immediately the father, of the child cried out, and he said with tears, "Lord, help my unbelief. God, help me to get through this, God." I'm struggling, but I believe you can. But where I'm struggling, Lord, build me, strengthen me, carry me through this. See, faith is not the complete absence of doubts. Faith is trusting, trusting even in the presence of doubt, even when you don't understand. We can see the example of Job and his wife in one day they both experienced a great loss. They lost their businesses, they lost their wealth, they lost their home, and then they lost their children. And oftentimes we just focus on Job, but it was Job and his wife that went through it. It was the two of them that struggled. It was the two of them that got assaulted and attacked. And that suffering, what it did is it exposed Job's love for God. What he says is, though he slay me, yet I will trust God. And in his wife, though, it exposed the unbelief that was in her heart. It exposed the struggling that was going on in her life because she looked at him and said, just curse God and die. Thank God for Job and his faith. Thank God for Job and his faith because if you read, everything was restored to Job. Everything was restored, including his children, right? And in a, mari- in a marriage, sometimes understand that there's going to be times where one is up and the other might be down. And that one that's up, thank God for that, that spouse that can lift up their partner, man. Because in a marriage, it's not just about you, but it's about the two of you being one. Encourage one another in your marriage. Strengthen one another in your marriage. When you see your spouse going through it uh, Don't pile on them, but pray for them, fast for them, encourage them. Let them know that God loves them. Let them know that you're there for them. Let them know that uh, it's not over yet. This is just a season. I I remember a a time where I was struggling, and my wife would just get up every morning after I'd leave for work, and she would just begin to pray. And she would just begin to ask God to to cover me and and ask God to move in my life. And, man, thank God for it. A praying wife, I Thank God for a praying spouse. Don't take each other for granted. So how do we come a, a shaken faith? Well, in the book of Psalms, chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. That's a good word, man. So oftentimes when we feel forsaken right when we feel like man i'm by myself there is nobody that knows what i'm going through it's 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 that's when god is closest to us psalms 34:18. the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit we have to remember that it's jesus who restores it's jesus that that builds us back up again it's jesus that uh we're anchored on, right? I. I you, you remember hearing, "Um, God won't give you more than you can handle," right? And I'm always like, uh, "I believe it, yeah." Not because I can handle it on my own. If I could handle it on my own, what 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 would I need God for? But I believe it because whatever it is that it's going on in my life. As long as I'm connected to the vine, as long as I'm connected to Jesus, as long as I'm still serving God, there isn't anything that I won't be able to handle because he carries you through. Your faith is firmly anchored in Christ's accomplishment, not yours. His strength, not yours. His performance, not yours. His victory, not yours. It's what Jesus did for us. It's, it's the victory that he's given us. The Bible says we're in a good fight, right? You ever been in a fight? Someone has. You ever been in a passionate discussion with someone? Right? What is that? That's a conflict, right? That's a, you know, maybe maybe it's just me, how I get. Feel my temperature rise a little bit and feel my, get a little heated, feel my voice getting a little louder. What's going on is there's a conflict, there's a challenge. And the Bible says that we're in a good fight. What does that mean? It means that there's going to be some blows, but we fight from a position of victory, man, the victory that Jesus has given us, the victory that uh, Christ paid for us. We're not defeated. We're more than conquerors, the Bible says. Jesus... He knew where to find his disciples. After the resurrection, book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, he meets the disciples, and he says, rejoice. And then he says, do not be afraid. Rejoice and do not be afraid. What has the devil been lying to you that you're afraid of? What has the devil been telling you that you're afraid of? We know that God is greater. The Bible says, Greater is He that is within us than He who is within the world. There's three things that Jesus did to restore the faith of His disciples. It's number one is He met them. He met them right where they were at. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 9, He appeared to Mary Magdalene. In verse 12, He appeared to two more of His disciples. In verse 14, he appeared to the 11 disciples. He was finding his disciples. He was seeking out his, his followers. He was finding them. And, and the disciples, though, if you read in there, they had a hard time recognizing Jesus. They had a hard time recognizing who Jesus was. And oftentimes when you're discouraged or, or disheartened, it's hard to recognize Jesus. It's hard to recognize what God is doing in your life. It's hard to see how God is moving on your behalf. In John chapter 20, 11 through 16, we know Mary went to go see the body of Jesus, uh, and she realized that it wasn't there, and she was crying, and she was weeping, and uh, she turned around, and she heard someone say it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? She turns around and sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. That's what the Bible says. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. She had been so devastated by seeing the past events. What does Jesus tell her? He said to her, Mary. He called her by her name. And the Bible says immediately she knew who he was, and cried out, teacher, rabbi, what a blessing, man, that sometimes, uh, even though we can be going through it, we're still his, his sheep, we're still his children, and we recognize the voice of our shepherd, man. We recognize when God is calling us and saying, okay, I'm here, and when he's calling us, and when he's speaking to us, and when he's calling us out by name, man, that comfort and that encouragement that comes, that man, that he's still there. He's still there. He hasn't left us. You know what else he did? Is he fed them. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, 38 and 32, he sees his disciples on the road, and he begins to talk to them. And again, they don't recognize that it's, that it's Jesus. And he's about to leave, and they're asking him to come home with them so that they can have dinner. And he, verse 30 says, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Verse 32 it says, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Jesus fed them not only physically, but spiritually. And again, it's so important that when we find ourselves in this time of wandering, when we find ourselves in this time of trial, to stay in prayer and to stay in your word. These are the foundations of our faith. Uh, praying, reading the word of God, uh, attending church, hear, seeking God. And they said, man, that as he was speaking the scriptures to them, their hearts were burning on the inside, man. They knew, they knew that this wasn't just uh, some passerby, or man, but this was Jesus giving them the word of life, the bread of life. John chapter 21, the disciples, they had spent the whole night fishing, and they caught nothing. I can relate. I love to fish. I don't catch anything. And Jesus, he challenges them, and he commands them to cast their nets on the other side. And they said, well, we've been doing this all day, but if you say so, we'll do it. And the Bible says that they brought in a a huge catch. When they came to shore, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. Jesus came, and he took the bread, and he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. I love breakfast. I love going out in the morning to breakfast at a restaurant. You know why? Not because you eat good food, but the fellowship. Right? It's the first meal of the day, and maybe you're with your family. Or I know during uh, men's discipleship, sometimes the brothers get together and they go down to Angie's and have breakfast, right? What's taking place? A fellowship is taking place, an encouraging of one another is taking place. And here Jesus understood that his disciples needed that fellowship, they needed that uh, strengthening of one another. And Jesus met them right where they, they were at and he fed them and he encouraged them and he let them understand and know that there's still a call on their lives, that there's still a plan for their lives, that he hasn't forgotten them and that he still plans on using them and that he still has a desire to do great works in and through their lives. In the book of Romans 11:29 29 it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance in the New Living Translations, it says, for the gifts and its call can never be withdrawn. You're saying there's something I want to do in your life still, man. And, and, and maybe you're at a place where you've just been discouraged. You feel like God can't use me. Man, I, I just I feel like God can't ever really truly use me. That's a lie from the devil, man. It's a lie from the devil because God uses you, each and every one of us. uh, We build each other up. We strengthen one another. We encourage one another. We are brothers and sisters in a fellowship. And sometimes you might not feel like you're making an impact, but you just getting through those doors encourages someone build someone up. I see sometimes people coming in and say, man, they're still coming. They're still faithful. They're still fighting that good fight. I know they're going through it, but they're still here. You know what Jesus was doing is he was reassuring them. He reassured them. Two disciples that stand out to me, Thomas and Peter, right? The book of John, Thomas is saying, I don't believe it. I want to see him for myself when they told him that jesus had risen he says unless i put my hand on his on his wound or and put my fingers here in, in, in the wounds i won't believe it and jesus appears and he says here i am and he reassures him that uh that he is indeed risen and he tells him in verse 27 don't be faithless any longer believe Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. He said, Thomas, I'm here. And I'm doing something right now in your life, man. Praise God. And we know the story of Peter as our worship team comes up. We know the story of Peter. There was some reconciling that needed to be done. There was some restoring that needed to take place in Peter's life because, after all, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter had fallen, and he was feeling that guilt, and he was feeling that shame, and he was feeling the weight of it. Jesus, knowing what he wanted to do in Peter's life, he asked him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, being upset, Answering, Yes, I love you. You know I love you. You know all things. You know I love you. The Lord gives them his mandate. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. What was Jesus doing? He was saying, Peter, there's work for you to be there's work for you, there's work to be done. Everything that you've gone through, the struggle. And the attack on your faith wasn't to destroy you, but it was to get you to a place, Peter, where you would be sensitive to those around you that are going through the same thing, that are experiencing similar situations, so that when you see them, you wouldn't judge them, but you would say, you can do it, continue to follow God. Peter, he was used widely, man, at the day of Pentecost. 3,000-plus individuals come to salvation as he starts preaching. But I tell you what, uh, Peter knew whom he was talking about. Uh, He knew whom he was preaching about. Uh, He had a personal relationship with God. And even though he had fallen and messed it up, the Lord restored him. The Lord built in him. And he's saying uh, to you and I, listen, we're in a time right now, man, that people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we got to get over ourselves and that, oh, you know, but I'm this and I'm that and I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy, but God is. And his Bible says that if we are faithful to lift up the name of Jesus, he draws all men unto himself. God just wants to use us as the conduit. God just wants to use us as the tool to build his kingdom, right? When When we look at a house, we don't say what a great job the hammer did. Oh, we say what a great job the carpenter did. You know what we are? We're the tools, we're the hammers, we're the nails that build the kingdom of God, that build the household of God. And what an honor and what a privilege. That our sins are forgiven and that we would be fit for the Master's use, man. That, that no matter what we've done in our lives, no matter how bad we might have messed it up, there's still a plan, there's still a call, there's still a destiny for you and I, man. That God says, We're not done yet. None of us have attained. It's when we pass and we hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant, then we know, man, we've made it. Until then, We've got a fight to fight. We've got a war to war. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God, man. We've got to see people come into salvation, man. Right now, I really believe that people are hungry for the gospel, and they're hungry to see real people serving a real God and knowing whom they talk about and knowing who they serve. And that's you and I, church. We could have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight in reverence to God.